With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football in prime time on Amazon Prime, where the San Francisco 49ers will look to advance to 10-4 on the season and get their seventh victory in a row, while potentially, hopefully, clinching the NFC West division title for the first time since 2019 and get their first win in Seattle when they clinched the division in 2019. We know the play. Dre Greenlaw just utterly destroying someone on the goal line, playing hero at the one-inch line in Seattle. But it's not that easy. Because the Seattle Seahawks have defied all logic or all predictions that were placed on them coming into this year. And while, look, the last time San Francisco played Seattle was Week 2. In Week 2, Trey Lance got hurt in the the first, second drive of the game. And, like, they won 27-7. But, again, these teams are vastly different. Seattle started the year how you thought they were going to start the year, albeit many fans said, hey, look, Geno Smith's playing pretty well. But since then, they are now 7-6, and six, and they are somehow, some way, with that talent on the roster, with that quarterback in Geno Smith, just two games behind San Francisco for the NFC West. They did lose last week, which jettisoned San Francisco two games ahead of them. In the NFC West, and San Francisco currently has a tiebreaker against Seattle. This is San Francisco's fifth divisional game of the season. One more remaining against now Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals later on in the season. But look, this game means everything to both teams. It's not just, hey, San Francisco, clinch a playoff spot and get into the division title. It's for Seattle, it's eight. You have, like, their playoff hopes likely will rely on them winning the division. That's why the whole year I kept preaching, you have to play well. You have to win as many games possible in your division. San Francisco is currently 4-0 this year. Seattle knows if they want to get in the playoffs, they are likely going to have to get past San Francisco. Unless a team like Washington or the Giants do fall apart, which is possible, but albeit the easiest road to the playoffs is through your division. But coming into this game, Seattle has kind of been crumbling. A lot of the year has been, look at the great job Pete Carroll has done coaching this team. And again, you cannot speak poorly on Pete Carroll as a coach. Yes, we can dislike him as a fan base because I also do dislike him, but like I, I'm tired of seeing him smack that gum and his stupid white 
teeth at 70 plus years old looking like i mean he looks like a fitness trainer that you see like my mind goes to if i saw pete carroll on the street what is he doing he's running running down the street in the adidas sweatpants no shirt on and just huffing puffing with the oakley glasses on and at five in the morning on a sunday or saturday right like pete carroll looks like that guy who you're just like I don't know what it is about you. Nothing you're doing is inherently wrong, but it just bothers me to my core. And that's how I would describe Pete Carroll because there's really not much bad you can say about the man. He's a great head coach. He always has his teams prepared for every opponent. There are some games they get blown out. 27-7 against San Francisco in Week 2. Yeah, not a great game. But Seattle is a different team, albeit... I think right now they're trending back towards that team they were in week two. So in Seattle's last six games, we established San Francisco has won six games in a row. In that same stretch, Seattle is three and three. In their last four games, where San Francisco is four and oh, Seattle is one in three in their last four games. And I do think right now we are seeing a team like Seattle that has, they have exceeded the expectations. I think everybody would have agreed before the season started, they were going to be the worst team in this division. And kudos to them. Geno Smith having a great year, likely going to be their quarterback next year in Seattle again, will likely get a big contract or at least somewhat of a big contract in the offseason by Seattle. Like that's a great story, right? having the team trade their franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And now that trade looks like the worst potential trade in NFL history right now. For them to be 7-6 and six in two games out of the division, like, I know we hate Seattle, but we have to give them credit. Like, this team, this Seattle team is hard to hate. I know the Marshawn Lynch's, the, the Cam Chancellor's, even the Richard Sherman years, Russell Wilson, like... Yes, they've had plenty of players to hate, plenty of teams that were hateable. It's hard to hate this Seattle team, but with that being said, I do think that despite not hating them, it's a chance to kind of put an end to their season. We've talked about how San Francisco put an end to the Cardinals' season, how San Francisco was you know, putting an end to the Rams' season. Let's go on season-ending games and they ended the Rams earlier this year because the Rams were awful but the Cardinals the Saints why not potentially end Seattle's hopes for the division title this Thursday on the short week now Seattle since week 10 and we're going to dive into why I think Seattle is vulnerable I do not think Seattle is a team they were that got them to seven and six they are the team in their last four games that has them one and three and so since week 10, I'm going to give some stats at you, but I'm just going to make it very blunt and, and, and plain. But in their since week 10, they rank 32nd in yards per attempt, 30th in DVOA, 31st in EPA, and 30th in success rate. Now, you can forget everything I just said and hear the next sentence I say. Seattle's offense ranks as one of the worst in football in the past four weeks. Seattle's T 
team. Their offense, their defense is near the bottom of football in every single analytical, statistical category in the NFL the past or since Week 10. This is not a good football team. This team lost to the Raiders and the Buccaneers. Like, this is not a good team right now. And I do think one area where San Francisco is going to hopefully be able to have success is running the football. In the last five games, Seattle's rushing defense has given up 122 yards, 161 yards, 283 yards, 171 yards, and 223 yards. In four of their last five games, their opponents have averaged or have had a minimum of 33 rushing attempts. And every single game, they've averaged at least 3.7 yards per attempt. When an, when an opponent is averaging 33 rushes, over 150 yards, and over 4 yards in attempt against you as, as a defense... How do you not leave every game demoralized? But it's those, it's stuff like that that has Seattle being one in three in their last four games. And can I say, they gave up 283 yards to the Raiders offense. Now, Josh Jacobs having a great year, gonna get paid. Do not understand how they did not pick up that fifth year option, but he had 229 yards against them. The Raiders, the Oakland Las Vegas Raiders, Averaged 7.1 yards in attempt. The Raiders were closer to averaging 10 yards in attempt than 3 yards in attempt. This Seattle defensive line, this Seattle run defense unit, to put it bluntly, they stink. They suck. They're not good. And if you're going to say, hey, Sterling, well... How do you exploit that? Well, hello, Christian McCaffrey. Hello, Jordan Mason. And might I add, maybe even hello, Ty Davis-Price. And Seattle's not going to have a starting interior defensive lineman in our woods. Like, look. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's not just the fact that Seattle's defense in the last five games cannot stop the run. It's not just that. It's when they are not stopping the run. So if you're going, like, if I asked you, whether it's first, second, and third down, which down would you like to be able to stop the run? Would it be on third and two, or would it be first and ten? Would you like to stop your opponent early in the down and make them have to convert a long third down? Or would you rather give them five yards of carry and, allow, and have to stop them on third and short. I'm going to assume you would like to be able to stop your opponent's rushing offense on first and second down. That way they will have to convert a third and seven, a third and six, 
make it tougher for the opposition. Seattle doesn't do that. <laughs> Seattle this year, they are allowing 5.7 yards an attempt on early downs. For all the talk of it's Brock Purdy with the oblique injury on a short week, his first career NFL road start in enemy territory, a rival game, division title, potentially on the line in this game. If you lose this game, Seattle holds the tiebreaker. Like, this is a huge game for San Francisco, and you're going to say Seattle's going to give San Francisco almost six yards of carry on first and second down this year? Well, what's like that? That's a young, Mr. Relevant rookie quarterback's best friend, a third and short. You're going to give him third and two, third and four, and this offense with these weapons? Like that right there is why I do think this game will lean heavy San Francisco. And let's say it is third and short. Heck, what if it's third and long? Brock Purdy this year on third down, an 88% completion percentage, 127 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 137 passer rating, nine first downs with a 52% conversion rate. If Seattle cannot stop San Francisco's running game, yes, San Francisco will want to establish the run control the clock, let Seattle get no momentum in this game. But on top of that, San Francisco will want to and will likely have success on first and second down running the football, allowing their young seventh-round rookie quarterback the ability to work on third and two, third and five, where he has shown, at least in two starts or, or in two games, that he can excel just above half the time and can complete 88% of his passes. Now, I don't think that pace will keep up, but if you can complete on third down 70%, 65%, an average six yards an attempt, and average a 40% conversion rate, or even stay at 50% conversion rate, you're going to win this game. That means longer drives, that means you're probably running the ball 35-plus times in this game. It means you're controlling the clock. You are telling Seattle's offense you are not going to touch the football. And a lot of the conversation when you have a young quarterback like Brock Purdy is, on the road at least, you've won two games at home in front of your home crowd. What is it like when you go to or go on the road? What is it like when you have to play in Seattle who... I mean, we have experienced it firsthand. They will pump in crowd noise, and it's a very, very loud stadium. Like, I don't love Seattle fans. I have I have friends that are Seattle fans. They're passionate. They care. And for a team that's not supposed to be here like Seattle, that place is going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. And, like, that... The fans there are going to be insane. And one thing I do worry about that Brock Purdy did address today is how does he work on the silent count? How does he work when he cannot hear 
what Kyle Shanahan is saying. How does he run the offense when it's hard to communicate? How does he how does he communicate to his receivers, to his tight ends? And that is one thing that I I believe most people would say, yeah. If if he loses this game on Thursday, well, no harm, no foul, really. You still be one game ahead in the division. While you wouldn't hold the tiebreaker and it would make things a lot harder, you would still be the number three seed in the NFL or the NFC. So winning or losing this game doesn't necessarily damage your playoff hopes, but this is Brock Purdy's biggest test. I could argue that Brock Purdy, like, if you're going to measure, you know, Brock Purdy's games of the difficulty, all of them have been difficult because, or each of them has been difficult. Like, I couldn't imagine coming off the bench cold and having to beat the Dolphins with the high-powered offense. That's tough. I couldn't imagine your first start being against Tom Brady. And I couldn't imagine your third start being a game where it's the NFC on the line in Seattle your most hated rival, maybe outside of the Rams, but definitely the most hated the past decade, where the last time you clinched, or the, the last time you clinched or potentially clinched a division title this early was 2011, back when Jim Harbaugh was here, prior to all the, the Russell Wilson and Sherman and Crabtree stuff, right? Like, there is some, like, Brock Purdy's three-game test has been the hardest I can remember it being for a rookie, let alone a quarterback who's a seventh-round pick, Mr. Relevant. Now, he has come out with shining colors <laughs> in the first two games. I think everyone right now is kind of on the, the Purdy bandwagon, right? Everyone's saying, hey, you know, join the Brock party, right? And that's fun. And a loss this Thursday, would it suck? Yeah, it's Seattle, but but it's not the end of the world. That being said, I do wonder, like, this is going to be a great test of how he, how he can com- compose himself. We've seen the poise in the pocket. We've seen the command of the huddle. We've heard the stories of, you know, Trent Williams saying that he's cursing out Debo Samuel and, and yelling at guys in the huddle, acting like he's Peyton Manning. And guys are like, who the heck is this guy? Like, I'm a first-round pick, left tackle, getting paid millions of dollars. I'm the best guy at my position, and you're on the bottom of the totem pole yelling at me? <laughs> but that has gained their respect. And one thing I do think that, or it surprised me, and I'm not sure why it didn't get more attention, because Kyle Shanahan talked on KMBR like he does every single week. And, or excuse me, John Lynch talked on KMBR, but he was speaking of or about Kyle Shanahan. And he said that Kyle talked to him about Brock Purdy and said, I don't know what it is about him, but through all of this, he has made me, being Kyle Shanahan, comfortable. Like, all the quarterback changes, I do think that there was potentially some uncomfortability with Trey Lance because it was new, it was fresh, it was, how can we create this new offense for you? And going from Garoppolo to Purdy, there should be an an easier transition, and Shanahan said it was. But I do think Purdy, the way he's able to handle himself or has handled himself, I do think it's made Kyle Shanahan's job easier. 
And I do not think if you would ask anybody at any point this year, hey, if Brock Purdy's going to start, how do you think Kyle Shanahan feels? I would assume the majority or the consensus would say he's stressed out, he's worried, season's over with, and Brock Purdy has been like, no, nah, I'm good, man. Like, hey, I'm chilling. I'm good. <laughs> like, don't worry about me. Like, we're good. And I don't, like, despite me being worried about this being arguably Brock Purdy's biggest test, at least his biggest test on the road this year because it's his first road game, but I do think that there will be at times he's overwhelmed because that's football. He's young. He'll grow into that. I would expect that from anybody, any quarterback, any round of the draft, anybody. But I do think that, and, and, and Brock Purdy spoke on this, and he said that, look, he's like, going to Iowa State, I played at Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma. Go Boomer Sooners, right? <laughs> but he played, in Oklahoma, or he played at Oklahoma in front of 90,000 fans. And he said, yeah, it was tough, but I've done it before. It's not like he hasn't played in front of almost 100,000 people before, screaming and yelling. Like, college arenas or, or stadiums, they don't just have 90,000 fans. They have 90,000 fans, the music, and the band all at the same time yelling and screaming at you. I could argue that some college uh, environments are louder than the NFL. While Seattle is extremely loud, I do think that Brock Purdy, again, his experience playing in the Big 12, Big 10, like, that's going to... He's not going to feel like, I've never done this before. It's not like he's going to walk out onto the field and say, wow, look at this place. And just be so, like, for lack of better terms, flabbergasted of, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. Deer in the headlights. I think that Brock Purdy's going to be okay and can handle this because he's been doing this. And I do think that, like, yes, they're not going into this game with a veteran quarterback. But they're not going into this game with someone who has played one full season of FCS football. And that's 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 the truth. Like, right now, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, I do not think I'm worried about Brock Purdy being overwhelmed in Seattle. I'm just not. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if I should feel that way. But, and again, like, they could lose this game. Like, my mind thinks that Brock Purdy has essentially thrown two interceptions in two games. One got called back, whatever. But, you know, like, those interceptions were not game-breaking picks. One was on fourth down and, like, four. And it was a weird play call, but it was fine. And the one got called back against the Buccaneers last week. I would not be surprised if in this game he throws an interception because Seattle has, while their defensive against the run, it struggles so much, they do have one of the best young corners in football. And while I do think Brock Purdy can battle back from that and I do think that he can you know, overcome a pick because he has McCaffrey and Juszczyk and Kittle and Ayuk and, and he has pieces around him to help him, 
I would not be surprised if in this game, like, I, I'm fully expecting this game to be close. One, it's a division game. Two, it's Seattle in Seattle. Three, it's Pete Carroll. And four, at some point, Brock Purdy can't be perfect, right? And that's perfect P-U-R-F-E-C-T. <laughs> like, at some point, he cannot be perfect. And in the last two games, he's been relatively spotless. Again, on third down, 88% completion percentage. Like, he was the highest-rated quarterback of every quarterback last week. At some point, there's going to be a come down. Now, it's how do you react? How do you bounce back? And I do think that San Francisco has... Like, I'm not worried about Brock Purdy. Now, is it week by week? Yes, it is still week by week with with Brock Purdy. But thankfully for him and this Niners team, I do think Seattle is coming back to earth where even if he makes a mistake, whether it's, you know, an INT to Tariq Woolen, who is, should be maybe an all-pro this year, like, even if that happens... I do think that San Francisco, their defense is playing so well. Like, Seattle, when we played Seattle earlier this year and, and won 27-7, our defense still wasn't this good. And we beat them by 20. Now, Seattle did then start to take off a little bit while we kind of stumbled our way through weeks before 5-6. and six. And we're like, what's going on here? But Seattle is now coming back to where they were earlier in the season. They're, they are on the come down. Well, we are coming up. And Geno Smith, look, insane year. Crazy year. Just in the athletic, in the preseason, they ranked quarterbacks tiers one through six. Geno Smith was the only quarterback in tier six. That shows you where his career was. Nobody bought into Geno Smith. He, he was the competent backup. He was the guy that people said, I can't believe Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning ending his record-long starting game streak for Geno Smith for one half. I can't believe he would do that. I can't believe Geno Smith was the other quarterback that was a rookie to beat Tom Brady, albeit not in his first career start. Like, Geno Smith's career was kind of over with, or at least on the tail end of, I would not be surprised if he's out of the league in two or three years. And for him to resurrect his career, it's a great story. Like, he was leading the NFL in completion percentage with, like, 79% this year at one point. It was crazy. Like, while they weren't, for a large portion of the year, leading the division, or maybe taken seriously... Like, I don't think anyone said, yeah, that guy, Geno Smith, and that offense, they're going to win the NFC West. I don't think many fans thought they would last this long. But I do think right now we are kind of seeing the end of that quote-unquote Cinderella story. Geno Smith, weeks one through four, fifth highest EPA per play in football, or of quarterbacks. Weeks five through 14, 18th. Now, they've won games, but right now we are seeing the the 
we are seeing Geno Smith start to fall back to who he was prior to the beginning of this year. Prior to being a top five quarterback earlier in this year, based on efficiency. In his last five games, Geno Smith has a 12 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. 12 to 5. He has been sacked 15 times. So, five games, he's thrown five picks. He's been sacked three times a game, and he's also lost three fumbles in that span. So that is essentially a 12-8 to touchdown-to-turnover ratio. That's awful. That's not starting-caliber quarterback play. Like, if Brock Purdy did that, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. He's a seventh-round pick. He's a third-string quarterback. That's... Well, I do think Geno's playing better than that level. He's inching closer and closer to it every single game. Like, yes, he has two touchdowns per game. You're also giving the ball back almost two times per game. He's averaging nearly two turnovers a game in his last five games. Keep in mind, in the last six games for San Francisco, the defense has 12 takeaways with a plus nine turnover differential as a team over that span. The defense Seattle saw, in which they lost to 27-7, in week two is not the same defense they're going to play today. And the defenses they have lost to, Raiders, Buccaneers, they are not as good as this defense. I do think... This game will be close, but again, because division, Pete Carroll at Seattle, it just happens that way. San Francisco's always had trouble in Seattle. Even last year, even last year on our run, we still lost to Seattle, despite George Kittle scoring two touchdowns. Like, San Francisco had no business losing that game last year. For as bad as that Seattle team was last year, it was in Seattle, it was Pete Carroll, it just happens that way. Now... Maybe the difference is Russell Wilson. Maybe the difference is they don't have Russell Wilson. I don't know. But it's not like he's been the almighty Mr. Unlimited we've seen all year. Now, still beat us, but <laughs> you get my point is that Seattle, despite having this 7-6 you know, season, could still make the playoffs, might win on Thursday. Don't think they will, but might win on Thursday. I will tell you that Maybe I do have concerns of Brock Purdy, big moment, first road game. There still are areas that do concern me about San Francisco. So, Seattle this year ranks, I guess, 31st in football, or they've given up the second most yak per reception this season at 5.95. So, that's just above the Cardinals. And we saw what this team did to the Cardinals absolutely demolished, they trashed them, they mollywopped them, they shellacked them, whatever adjective you want to put in front of that win, they did. But in that game, despite maybe this player not playing a big part in the victory, there were a handful of plays that he was pivotal on making. And when you think of Yak... In Seattle, 
against Seattle in a big game, what do you or who do you think of? You say George Kittle? No. Brandon Ayuk? No. Chris McCaffrey? No. Jordan Mason? No. You think of Debo Samuel. And Debo's not going to play. Now, we do have good news that Debo Samuel will hopefully, or Shanahan said, hoping it's a three-week injury. So three weeks from now, Debo Samuel will hopefully be playing, or at least we're hearing he's back at practice, right? But I do wonder, when you don't have your yak god, yes, you have Ayuk and you have Kittle the yak bros, you don't have the middle of those three heads. And I do wonder that, okay, like, you ain't got Debo. Is Brandon Ayuk going to step up? Now, Ayuk has seven touchdowns this year, the most in his career. George Kittle has been money in Seattle in recent years. But the target share for Brock Purdy has favored Debo and McCaffrey. So I just do wonder that, okay, if he doesn't have the number two weapon he prefers... How does the offense look like? But moving over to Seattle's offense, again, we talked about Geno Smith. I don't have faith in him. He's coming down. I do think that, and we have seen over time since, what, 2011, Pete Carroll wants to run the football. Now, he had Marshawn Lynch for a handful of seasons. They were dominant. He was beast mode. We got it, right? The beast quake against the Saints. We know what it was like. They even brought him back to play the Packers, I believe, in the playoffs two or three years ago off the street in Oakland and said, hey, can you come play for us? Like, that's how much they want to establish the run. They drafted Penny high in the draft, and they drafted now Kenneth Walker high in the draft. They want to establish the run. And since week six, Walker's first start of the season... Their record is 5-2. and two. He has 503 yards, 72 yards per game, averaging 16 attempts per game, and he has eight total touchdowns, just you know, basically one touchdown per game. So I do think they are going to rely heavy on Kenneth Walker, who is expected to play this week despite being hurt the past few weeks. Here's the funny part, though. So I talked about how San Francisco's offense is going to be able to run early in drives, early in downs. First, second down, getting almost six yards per carry against the Seattle's defense. The Seahawks' offense is the exact opposite. They're averaging 3.5 yards on first and second down since week 10. That stinks. That's awful. That's almost, or it is, it, it is two less yards then they're giving up on defense in the exact same situations. And for San Francisco, we talked about how, look, it's a young quarterback. You can put him in positions to succeed. With getting almost six yards per carry earlier in first and second down, Seattle, with a quarterback that's descending or on the on the down, they are putting him in harder situations to succeed. They're saying, hey, Gino, we'd like to run the ball, but we can't run the ball. Can you get us out of a third and seven? Can you get us out of a third and six? 
And Gino's like, no, I can't. I can't. This team lost to the Panthers last week. San Francisco, like, in the last three weeks, maybe it's four weeks, but the last four weeks, this Seattle team has lost to the Buccaneers. San Francisco put up 35 points. They also lost to the Panthers. San Francisco put up plus 40 points against them earlier this year. Without Christian McCaffrey, Tevin Coleman, <laughs> Tevin Coleman was the running back that game. And somehow Seattle cannot score or cannot run the football successfully against those teams? Really? And Kenneth Walker's good. He's a good running back. He is their star running back this year. Like, he's their stud, but... Again, trying to dive into what concerns me about this is that San Francisco's banged up up front, and despite Seattle averaging 3.5 yards per attempt on first and second down, San Francisco doesn't have Kevin Gibbons, won't have Javon Kinlaw for another week, won't have Hassan Ridgeway, who was filling in for Kinlaw, and Maurice Hurst, who hasn't played all year, Kerry Hyder, who is playing on the inside and the outside, he's limited and questionable in practice. And they just signed Mike Dwumfor to the practice squad today. Their interior defensive line is Eric Armstead. That's great. That's good. I got no qualms with that guy. Charles Amenahue, I like him. He's underrated. He's our Arden Key this year. That being said, <laughs> I just don't know. Then it's T.Y. McGill, who has surprised me this year, like he has been someone where I said, wow, like in that Cardinals game, I said, okay, who's that guy? Like he has shown something. Then it's Jordan Willis, who you would like to be on the outside and on special teams. So it's not like we're at 100%. And for a team like Seattle saying, hey, look, we have to run the football because our quarterback right now cannot get the job done. Well, San Francisco saying, we may not have five interior defensive linemen. Like, or I would not be surprised if Seattle's game plan is run, 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 wear San Francisco's defensive line down, then gash them late in the game. That makes sense to me. Now, will it be hard to establish that run early? I think so. But second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Armstead can't play the whole game. Amenahue can't play the whole game. And you don't want McGill and Willis or Dwumfor playing the whole game. So despite me thinking San Francisco wins this game, there, there are concerns that, hey, we are down potentially five interior defensive linemen for any team. That's tough to win with. For any defensive line, if they told you, hey, you're not going to have five players, they're like, oh, well, now we have defensive line, defensive ends playing on the interior. You usually don't want that. They're smaller. They can't take up as much space. You want those big bodies like a Givens, a Kinlaw, a Ridgeway, a Hurst, a Hyder, and if they don't have that, and it's and it's a Menahue who I like a lot, 
and it's McGill who has shown some promise, but then it's Jordan Willis and it's Dwumfor. Like that to me could be an area that might be a little shaky. And let's not forget, Seattle, despite having Geno Smith who struggles, they still have Tyler Lockett who has scored a touchdown in six straight games this year. Like, I knew we talked about how, you know, it's Seattle and they're not as good and the, the personnel isn't good and, you know, they don't have Russell Wilson, so they're not as good this year. They're, you have to respect them still. Like, I do think Seattle fans are saying, like, man, we have to play the number one defense in football and Brock Purdy's killing it, but you don't think they're not going to come out saying, we want to smack Brock Purdy so hard in the mouth, give him that welcome to the NFL rook moment that he's yet to have. Like, Brock Purdy's riding high. And, and he's humble, yet cocky and arrogant. I love that stuff. And he knows this is going to be a challenge. But Seattle's coming into this game saying, we want to be your first loss. We actually need to win this game if we want any chance to win the NFC West. Like, Seattle on Thursday... They will be in desperation mode. And maybe it's just me. And I know they don't have the personnel. Their defense ain't playing well. I have run you through every single reason why San Francisco should win this game. But again, it's Pete Carroll in Seattle. <laughs> like, that is always going to be a... Like, every year when we... Like, my mind goes to... Or, or, or I get the schedule and I go, when are we playing Seattle in Seattle? Because, like, it doesn't matter how bad this team is or how bad they're playing, this could still be a loss for us. And they have Lockett. Six straight games with a touchdown. I can't wait to see DK Metcalf and Jimmy Ward battle again. But on the flip side, DK Metcalf was cooking Mosley last year. Not this year, but last year. And I do wonder if I'm Seattle. I go, okay, like, I have DK Metcalf. One of the most physically domineering receivers in the NFL, maybe outside of Debo Samuel, who San Francisco's not going to have. <laughs> Why not just target Lenore over and over and over and over and over again? And Lenore has played great in the absence of Mosley. Like, the whole hope was it's Mosley Oh, now he's hurt. Now, Verrett's going to come back. Like, this was never supposed to be Lenore's job this year. It was, Lenore, can you be the backup nickel? Or can you even be the starting nickel back this year? Shout out Chad Kroger. But, like, <laughs> Lenore wasn't supposed to be here in regards to starting a big game like this. And if you're Seattle, that's the guy I want to target. That's the guy who I say, you are going to have to prove to me prove to us being Smith and Metcalf and Lockett and Pete Carroll that you can stop DK Metcalf. Because if, if I'm Seattle, I'm like, why would I put Lockett, a smaller receiver on Lenore, who has experience playing on the outside and the inside? Like, it's all about matchups. And I do think Seattle, very small parts in this game, will have a certain advantage. Now, do I think Lenore can come out looking pretty good. I do. I really do. I like him. He's he's a good cornerback. 
he is, or at least this year he has improved or showing the improvement you'd hope he would show after his rookie season last year. And right now he's proven to be better than every other corner on the roster outside of Mooney Ward. Like, he's beating Ambry Thomas and Womack, who San Francisco also isn't going to have. Like, San Francisco is not going to have this depth-wise. We talked about how they aren't going to have the interior defensive line depth. Womack's out. Tarverius Moore's out. Dante Johnson, who they signed, or who they brought back for the 15,000th time, to replace Moore, he also tore his ACL out for the season. And you're like, who is left? <laughs> Who is out there? It's Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins. Like, the Niners, despite maybe their stars not being banged up, they don't have a lot of depth in this game on defense. It's like their corners coming into Thursday are going to be Mooney Ward, Lenore, Ambry Thomas, maybe Janoris Jenkins, and... Jimmy Ward, who is a safety playing nickel. <laughs> like, come on. The interior defensive line is Armstead and Menahue, McGill and Willis, and maybe Dwum for. So, yes, I do think San Francisco wins this game, I'll say 27 to 17. I'll give I'll give them 17 points just for the fact that there's always going to be this Pete Carroll crazy bounce goes your way. It's how it always goes in Seattle. So 27-17, I do think San Francisco wins this game. I do think Brock Purdy might throw a pick, but I do think he'll be able to bounce back. I do think he's built for this moment. I do think, and it'll be interesting, this will be the big test of if you are asked to go on the road in Philadelphia, or Dallas, or Minnesota, what are you going to play like on the road? This is his biggest test of the season for me, in my opinion. But also, go out there and win the freaking NFC West. You win the West, you can start resting, guys. Then you're just playing for the second and third seed. And there will be a point this year where if Minnesota wins a bunch of games and loses games, at one point, Kyle Shanahan's going to say, hey, Josh Johnson... Play quarterback. Hey, Ty Davis Price and Kevin Coleman, play running back. Like, there's going to be a game where if things continue to go the way they are, and the Vikings win, and we keep winning, I would not be surprised if he says, just take the two seed, we'll rest our stars, we know we can beat you wherever you go. But Brock Purdy has to prove he's the same quarterback on the road that he is at home. And I do think San Francisco gets it done 27-17. to And they clinch the NFC West on Thursday night on freaking Amazon Prime. Okay. If you still want to go to this game, or you want to go see them play the Commanders, or you want to go see them play the Raiders on New Year's Day, use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCE. SS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, use our Fanatics link down in the description. Save yourself some money. Buy yourself some NFL gear. 
primarily San Francisco. If you want to get that Brock Purdy jersey, use our link, save yourself some money, and support the show. In the meantime, also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You are not going to want to miss a thing. And until next time, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop.